The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. Yes, this hour is packed with all kinds of information. Hey, what is a swamp cooler? Have you ever dealt with a swamp cooler, and what potential problems can they cause around your home? We found one we're going to try to solve. Also, we have more uh, basement renovation tips. Great time of the year to start looking at that space you have below your house if you have a basement, and think about how you can really make that a comfortable place to you know, have a little game room or or whatever. We've got a few tips on that, particularly pertaining to the proper flooring. Also, this time of the year, adding insulation under your house in the crawl space. Not all houses have crawl spaces, but those that do, it might be a way to make those floors just a little more comfortable this winter. A lot of emails we're going to share with you. We appreciate all those great emails we got this week. And of course, my buddy Joe always has a simple solution for us. What do you have for us later, Joe? Well, Danny, I figure we're in the middle of the holiday season. A lot of people are home cooking, so I have a quick tip on how to restore tarnished copper pots. There are pots that are completely coated in copper. Some just have copper on the bottom, and they get tarnished pretty easily. So I'll show you how to clean those up really quickly. Oh, perfect, perfect. Well, we certainly want to hear from you on any little challenge or any little question that you may have around your house. And, you know, we're going to be on the air for another four weeks here on today's Homeowner Radio. And we want to hear from you, even if you just want to say, hey, guys, I like this. You know, I'd like to hear more of this. You may have a tip that you want to share that we can share with everybody. Either way, we make it easy for you. You can go to todayshomeowner.com slash ask to leave us an email or pick up the phone anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The today's homeowner hotline number is 800 946 4420. We're going to go right to the hotline right now and see if we can take care of a few calls that came in this week. Hey, Danny, just uh, the, wondering the safest way to remove mold off of roofing shingles. Most uh, shingles that face the north side, uh, you get that black uh, mildew or mold that builds up over a course of years. Thank you. Yeah, I've, um, it's kind of amazing what can grow on. I rode by yeah. the other day, and exactly. it looked like a, looked like some kind of a sh- shrub growing on the <laughs> yeah. thing there. It was pretty pretty healthy. It needed a little trimming done. And um, well, you know, uh, first of all, uh, sun is your friend when you're trying to get rid of mold or mildew. So if there are any limbs that you can trim back to allow that sun to get directly on the uh, the shingles, that'll help uh, tremendously. But if you already have it there, now there are companies out there that. Uh, will guarantee cleaning uh, the roof and that they can uh, come in with uh, their safe methods to be able to do that. And in the past, we've recommended um, Wet and Forget, uh, which is a product that you can spray over the roof, yep. and you have to be patient. It may take up to five or six months before it really works, but it also has a residual effect that will keep it going. And Joe, we've talked a little bit of, um, which I always think is so bizarre, the zinc Zinc, isn't it? Zinc, yeah, yep. zinc strips yep. that you use. That's a that's like a like another science experiment around. That yeah, house. isn't that cool? Yeah, what Danny's referring to is a product called Shingle Shield, and it's basically just strips of zinc, hundred percent zinc, that you nail up under the shingles, close to the 
ridge of the roof, the very top of the roof, and the flange of this sticks out, of this zinc strip sticks out. And the idea is that rains, water washes over the zinc, and it and it sort of corrodes the zinc enough that it starts to dissolve. These are sacrificial pieces. After a couple of years, you probably have to replace them because the zinc just wears away. But as it's wearing away, it's washing zinc down the roof. And you don't see it. It doesn't stain the roof or anything. But that zinc will kill mold and mildew. So it's really very, it's a very passive system and it works amazingly well. Um, but other than that, yeah, the only thing you do is use wet and forget or a product like that. Get the one as wet and forget that hooks up to a hose. So you, you don't have to get on a ladder unless you have a really tall house. Just spray it. Or you can use a 50-50 mix of oxygen bleach and water and spray that on there. We don't usually recommend a pressure washer because you could damage your shingles. So don't do that. Yeah, that's a uh, that's just so strange. The zinc strip that just yeah, I can't, isn't you that know, it's cool? just kind of like witchcraft or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, either way, that's a uh, that's one way to get rid of it. And uh, uh, but again, get that sun shining on it, and that'll help an awful lot. Let's grab another call from the today's homeowner hotline. Yeah, this is David out in Oregon, and I have a plywood deck that is a covered area, but we want to put some kind of a protectant over it. And I was thinking about maybe the rolling rock, but I went on their website and I couldn't really tell if it was okay to do it over plywood or not. So just your thoughts on that. The plywood deck originally was going to have the rubberized membrane put over it, but that turned out to be cost prohibitive. So I'm looking for a different solution. Thanks. Love your show. Ah, oh, well, we appreciate Thank that, you, David. David. And um, yes, the um, the Deitch coating that you're talking about, um, the uh, roller rock, um, can be put on wood. You you know, again, everything's about preparation, so you'd have to really dig into that. But um, I actually asked the uh, owner inventor of all of the Deitch products about that very thing because there's you know so many wood surfaces out there that if this can be a protective coating as well as um, add the decorative nature to it. It's fantastic. He said, no problem at all. Again, preparation to make sure it will adhere to it. Let's get right back and get one more call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Hi, this is Viola Nettles. I have a question on pouring concrete and what are the best times to do it and what are the best times not to do it. I live in the state of Missouri. The temperatures fluctuate uh, this time of year. Uh, from freezing to mild. So I'm having some uh, poured on Saturday. It's supposed to be a lot warmer, but if it's not in my best interest to do that, I would definitely have to be putting it off. So that is my question, whether I should go forward with the concrete or whether I should postpone it. Okay, Viola. Well, um, great question and, and yes. something that uh, is very important to think about. Concrete is such a permanent and expensive type of project. So you want to make sure that you are doing it in the right. And there are temperatures that are too high and too low for it, Joe. I know the Concrete Manufacturing Association or whatever, they're always talking about those different guidelines. Uh, what did you find out on that? Well, we've answered this in the past. And from what I remember, and it might be different depending on the, the what the mix is, how thick the mix is, the, the strength of the mix. But typically, concrete should be poured between 50 and 60 degrees. That is a very narrow band. You might say, oh, I only have 10 degrees. But the concern is um, below 50 will slow the curing process, which isn't always a bad thing because the slower it cures, the harder it'll be. Um, but below 40, then you risk freezing the, the water in the cement. You certainly don't want that. Um, we often say problems occur 
with cracking and spalling when they add too much water to concrete. So if you have, imagine if you had the, they mixed it with too much water, then the temperature drops. So, you know, you don't want it curing too quickly and you don't want it freezing. So that's why they picked that 50 to 60 degree, you know, but, but I see people, I'm in Connecticut and they pour concrete, you know, year round for the most part, unless it's really freezing. Yeah. They do have additives that they can they add to yeah. it to speed up the uh, process. And they say it doesn't affect the uh, strength of it. But well, I guess this is where I start feeling like I'm a little old fashioned on things because of uh, the slower the concrete dries as and cures, as Joe mentioned, the stronger it is. So if you're pouring, I mean, I see these guys all the time where they'll form something up, they'll pour it. And right. before the concrete truck even leaves, the, the, the lumber's being delivered for the framing. And yeah. you just have to think just jumping up on there with four or five people with tons and tons of wood um, banging and nailing. And it just can't be good for the curing process on that, actually. And I told you, you know, maybe I went to a little extreme with mine. But um, as soon as they poured it and I could get on my slab, right. I filled the whole thing up with hay. I spread hay yeah. over the whole thing. And I did you then a- wet it? I kept a sprinkler going for yep, ten days. Very, I know I'm a little, a little extreme, yep. but uh, I when I when when I cleaned everything off, got the hay off and ready for the framers that came about a week later. I gave it a full week to to cure. Not one single crack anywhere. Still no problem. It uh, that's the way you do it. Slow down the process, and you'll have a better, stronger slab as you move forward. So the only uh, downside is every morning he had to scare off all the goats and the. Sheep. That that's right. All the, yeah, the, all hay, the little yeah. animals and yeah. every, everything yeah, else. That's but right. that's okay. That's a, that's a small what... price to pay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio Short Break. When we come back, we're going to talk about swamp coolers and some of the potential problems that you have to think about. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes, and by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. You know, for over 15 years, the Today's Homeowner Radio Show has been airing nationally on some wonderful stations like this one, WHBYAM 1150 in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I think everybody loves to say (laughs) Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and I've been there a number of times. Great little area of the country, and hey, if uh, we want to help you out there, if you're having any problems, any issues around your home, let us know here at Today's Homeowner Radio. You can reach out to us, uh, send us an email, todayshomeowner.com slash ask or pick up the phone and call us on the hotline 800-946-4420. That's exactly what Lisa has done from Colorado. Lisa, welcome to the show and tell us what's going on around your house. Uh, so I have a swamp cooler uh-huh. and I have a, uh, around the vent, seems like I have some, my, my uh, paint and drywall around there is peeling. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I'm having a humidity issue um well well, that kind of thing can be um condensation you know there's a lot of issues with condensation when you know cold air or warm air hits the opposite you know condensation can occur but it it makes me think with a swamp cooler and the amount of um, water that you know in the tank and is circulating through there it could have just a tiny a tiny leak that could cause a lot of problems on drywall and peeling 
and things like that. I almost wonder if that shouldn't be looked at very closely by someone that can remove the outside, you know, the inspection plates and really look at that to see uh, what's going on inside. I think that'll tell the tale if they can get in there and really look at what's happening inside the, the grill itself. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I, I took it off, um, cleaned it. It just looked like there's, I'm thinking maybe I'm just not opening the, opening the louvers enough. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I have a tiny house, so. <laughs> Lisa, so these are, these are on the ceiling, obviously, right? In the, right. And, well, often when, for people who aren't familiar, swamp cooler is essentially a type of air conditioner system that's used in the mountain west and in certain uh, southwest certain areas and um they are filled with water and they they take in warm air and they blow it through these um pads that are soaked in water and cool air comes out um but regardless we've had we've had this question in the past with the regular standard air conditioner and sometimes it's because the ducts aren't insulated and as danny said condensation forms and then once it's on the duct you don't know where it's going to go and and right inside the vent, if you take the vent down, right just past the um, the opening in the ceiling, there's a there's a, a part that they call a, a duct boot. It's where the duct joins the the register. And they call it, it's like a rectangular shape usually, and they call it a boot for some reason. That is almost never insulated. Even if they insulate the the duct, uh-huh. they don't bother insulating that. So that in and alone right. that alone might help solve the problem. Oh. So that would be where it's coming through the where it's yeah, coming right through, yeah. yeah yeah and then you have to insulate up around it around yeah. in the attic. is this oh. happening on all the vents or just like in one or two rooms um i just have the one swamp cooler and oh, that okay. one vent just you know my house is so small i tell people i could stand in my hallway and reach every room in the house except for the <laughs> kitchen <laughs> Well, that must make vacuuming really easy. Yeah, that's convenient there, yeah. <laughs> well, it's good yeah. that it's a small system, which is probably why you have a swamp cooler. Um, so that, that's, I mean, if you can somehow get to these ducts and if they're insulated or not, I would insulate them. Actually, you're supposed to seal them and then insulate them. You know, you seal all the joints so the air's not leaking out of them. And then you wrap them yeah. in some kind of ins- duct insulation and make sure there's the insulation goes over that boot that I was talking about. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. And oh, okay. So now that I I that's such a good solution for that. So now that I have all this drywall uh, compound that I that right. is peeling. Um, is there a certain kind of drywall drywall compound that I should use? Uh, well, you, around the yeah if vent? it's if it's not you know if you can push on it or you know kind of touch it with a screwdriver if it's not falling apart or deteriorated to that point then yes you can use a, uh, just the regular uh, joint compound after mm-hmm. you make sure the leak is taken care of I'd, I'd right. give it a little bit of time to make sure on that then scrape anything that's loose off apply a little bit of joint compound allow it to dry a little bit of sanding then you can proceed with touch-up painting and and so forth but uh let's um let's get that leak Make sure that leaks fixed and give it a little bit of time to be sure that no moisture is continuing to come down through there. Okay. One one last thing, Lisa. If there's any staining, like water staining, after it dries out and you're sure there's no more water coming through, um, you have to prime it first. And I would recommend using a primer called um, a restoration primer. 
because um, I've right. used regular primer on water stains on drywall and the stains came right through. So the restoration awesome. primer is the it's a little more expensive, but it'll definitely seal out that that sort of brown stain caused by the water. Okay, it hasn't done that. Um, oh, good. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for. You're welcome. Hey, our our pleasure, Lisa. I hope you have a good weekend, and we certainly hope uh, that solves your problem and get to the bottom of it. And uh, you have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's get a, an email in here, Joe. We got some All great right. emails that came in this week. This one came in from Rhonda in Maryland. Said, we have an addition to her home that sits on pilings. There's about a four-foot uh, space under the addition, which is not enclosed. Our floors are so cold in the winter, and we'd like to find the least expensive route to remedy this. We have R11 batting, and from what I'm reading, we need to install this with the paper side up closest to the subfloor. Uh, can we then staple up thick plastic to hold the insulation in place and prevent wildlife invasion. Okay, great, great question, Ron, and it brings up a number of points. Uh, first of all, when you're installing insulation in a crawl space, the paper does go up. Paper always goes toward the heated and cooled area. So let's jump up in the attic there and you're putting insulation in. Well, the paper goes down. That's a right. the way that's a very standard rules on that. Now, um, as far as um, uh, plastic, absolutely not. Don't put any plastic under your, uh, you can put plastic on the f ground, perfect. Plastic holding insulation up, terrible idea. Terrible. It will cause you lots and lots of problems. Now, you can put house wrap just like they put on the outside of houses, you can staple that up and that'll allow it to breathe. That'll keep um, rodents out and everything, even though sometimes they'll dig through there a little bit. And also, Joe, I know we've mentioned a number of times uh, uh, the, the old chicken wire trick. They put yeah. the chicken wire there. You to, staple up chicken wire. Inexpensive, fairly yeah. easy to do. And um, and that, that can certainly... And, you know, even though it costs just a little bit more, the mineral wool insulation like rock right. wool is great for places like that because it's mildew resistant um, and, you know, um, termites don't like it. You know, there's a lot of reasons yeah. to use that in those kind of crawl space places. But again, crawl space insulation is good. It'll make it warmer. You will save money, but your best uh, return on your investment is not the crawl space insulation, but the insulation in your attic. Yes. And the other way you can hold them up with hold the insulation in place because you can't staple it because of course the paper is facing up is with uh, a wire. It's called a stay wire. Mm -hmm. There's a company called Simpson Strong Tie and they sell them. And it's basically just a long piece of string of spring wire has points on each end and you just press it up against the insulation and the little points dig into the sides of the joist and hold it in place. And you need one every, I don't know, what, every two or three feet and that'll hold up the insulation. You know what's fun, Joe, is, you know, is, it's not fun being under a house putting insulation up, but right. you have someone that, you know, you're putting insulation up and, you know, they're, they have their hands over their head like that, pushing some up mm -hmm. and you're helping them with the stay wire. Once they right. have their hands up like that, it's so funny just to kind of jab them in the ribs a little bit. <laughs> you know, just, just, just kind of, I mean, you don't want to draw blood or anything, but you just got to <laughs> jab them a little bit. Hey, hey, how you doing? I bet you didn't expect that. So <laughs> I'll um, remember that next time you ask me to insulate the other side of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to run off your help. That's for sure. 
Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We've got a lot more to share with you. Don't go anywhere because when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the things that you can do in a basement. There's a number of things that you can do if you have a basement or an area down below that you have to do to make sure that it is truly legitimate living space. All of that and a whole lot more coming up here on today's Homeowner Radio. To today's homeowner radio. Here are Danny and Joe. You know, Joe and I really appreciate you spending some of your busy weekend with us. And what we try to do is to make sure you get some information that you can use based on all of our many years of experience of helping homeowners and working on our own homes and working on a lot of homes. So we want to hear from you and you can reach out to us anytime uh, by email, todayshomeowner.com slash ask or pick up the phone and call us 800 946 4420. Right now, we have Janine on the phone from uh, back in Wisconsin there. We have a number of great Wisconsin calls today. And uh, welcome to the show. And tell us what's going on around your house. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, Well, I have this home that uh, it doesn't have a finished basement, but it does have a finished basement bathroom. Mm -hmm. And um, it had just some carpeting thrown over it. And I removed the carpeting to find the painted flooring underneath it was peeling, and um, I had uh, some water damage in that corner uh, to find out. I Hopefully, it was just the uh, gutter that was away from the house that I corrected. Mm-hmm. And once I took a metal shovel just to scrape up all the loose uh, paint chippings, doesn't look like it had a top coating on it at all to preserve the painted job. So now I'm stuck with these other pieces that I can't get off with the metal shovel. So I was wondering, how do I get that off? And my goal was, I think I saw on your show, this bendable, like vinyl tile that if it gets wet, you can just take it out, dry it off and put it back in. It would be my goal to uh, replace that flooring on top. And I'd like to go see if that was a good option. And what I can do once that paint chips have been removed, how I can make it a better floor. Okay. All right. Uh, Well, you know, um, you really don't have to remove all of the um, the paint necessarily. I mean, you certainly want to take care of anything that's peeling or, you know, that, that would, you know, would not allow something to stick down to it. And then, of course, the luxury vinyl tile is something that is just sweeping the country. Everybody's uh, really using it a lot, especially in areas like basements. So, I mean, all you would really need to do is to, um, you know, clear any of the very obvious peeling paint and then we would uh, recommend putting a concrete sealer over it just to make sure. And then go ahead and glue that um, flooring right down. And uh, very durable in wet situations. You will want to make sure that you're buying a good luxury vinyl tile. Uh, because it's so popular, the, the market's been flooded with all kinds. But you want to get a good name, good reputable one, and one that's uh, rated for basement use. And... Uh, very easy to install. You would want to remove the toilet so that you can get it tight around the toilet flange. And um, it's a great looking floor. But again, you want to make sure that water on the outside, hopefully that gutter replacement and the downspout issue that you mentioned uh, is taking care of it. And uh, then you can move forward with it and uh, have a, a nice usable space down there. Oh, well, great. And then the rest of the basement floor is the same way. Um, it's starting to peel because there's no sealant. Um, I could probably do the same there if I 
feel like I have enough energy after I do the <laughs> sure. small base yeah, in ser- Florida. You certainly can. Now, you know, on a on a, fl- a floor like that, you just want to make sure that you get any oil or anything like that that would affect the adhesive, um, you know, from the, for, you know, that's going to hold down the luxury vinyl tile. You just want to make sure it's in good shape. Sometimes if you're able to pressure wash it, a little tricky on inside spots, or even use a sander, a, um, a floor sander, just to kind of um, kind of clean up that surface a little bit. Before you put the sealer on, then you're you're way down the road with it, and you won't have to fool with it ever again. Oh, awesome! Thank you so much. And I'm sorry to hear about your retirement, but happy for you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. We're uh, now uh, you know how his wife feels. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate well, go that. Back to work. I've been at it a long, long time, and uh, all my girls uh, have three girls. All of them have houses, and they and their list is getting pretty long. So I think I'll be pretty busy. <laughs> well, thank you for being there for me. I loved your show. I love your podcast, and um, you've got me up at like five o'clock in the morning just so I could watch you. Oh boy! Well, well, uh, there's 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 almost six hundred episodes waiting on you on our streaming channel. So check out some of the older shows. I think you'll get a kick out of those. Will do. Thank you so much. Okay, Janine, you take care and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Boy, basements, basements, yeah. basements, basements. Everybody's yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wonder if it wouldn't be easier to, because this floor sounds like it needs a lot of work, and we're assuming the paint doesn't have lead in it, which, you know, you don't want to be sanding or grinding. Um, if she just had put down a floating floor, you know, a vinyl uh-huh, floating yeah. floor, uh-huh. there's even laminate that can go below grade, because <clears throat> this way she won't have to mess with that at all. Put down an underlayment. Some of these planks have the underlayment attached to it. I always prefer the underlayment you roll out because the whole idea of the underlayment is to soften the floor and help protect moisture. Well, how does that protect moisture if the if it's just on each board? Moisture uh-huh. can still pass up between the boards, right? So, right. In yeah, any case, yeah. um, that that'd be another option. Wouldn't require uh, trying to glue it down to a peeling paint. Hey, here's another flooring question from Mary in Washington. I have an engineered hardwood floor. When I move my refrigerator, I put a little groove in the floor. I assume she needs a little scratch. Is there any way to fix it, or uh, do I have to replace the planks? Can I uh, switch out the damaged planks with good planks that are under the refrigerator or stove? Not sure I can find replacement planks. Well, that'll be the problem, Mary, is finding not only the exact floor, but one that really does match that, um, that run lot when they manufactured it. Uh, can be done depending on how old it is, but I would really check that out very carefully and see if you can. There's also ways, um, Joe, you know, um, even though it's not permanent, permanent, um, some of the little um, paneling and floor crayons that you can kind of, uh, it's amazing how they can cover up, you know, even some pretty significant scratches or grooves in the floor. And uh, that may be a way, you know, while you're looking for a possible replacement on planks, that may be a way to go ahead and make it look good right now. But you know the problem with that, you only need one plank, but you got to buy a whole box. Yeah, hopefully the scratch didn't go across a couple of planks. Um, yeah, I think I would try to just patch it. In fact, first you can call the manufacturer if you know who made this flooring, because they might have a kit that they, you know, that they either recommend or they sell. But yeah, there are all kinds of patching. There's like putties and there's caulking and there's the, the sticks, the crayon sticks. And I would certainly try all of those first, because you might match it and it might be fine put a little uh throw rug in front of the mm-hmm. you know That's a little right. kitchen pad in front of it and that'd be the end of it and this is why we always recommend when moving appliances lay down a piece of eighth inch or quarter inch um, masonite hardboard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know because you, you think well i'm just gonna pull that out a little bit i'll lift it up it won't scratch it 
I would never take that chance. You got to put down the masonite first and drag it out. And this way, if you scratch anything, you'll just be scratching that masonite. Exactly. That's well worth it. And let me tell you, with as many refrigerators as I've moved over the years and renovation projects, we we always have that thin piece of wood that yeah. we can uh, have saved us many, many times. Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. When we come back, we're going to knock out as many emails as we can. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. And welcome back to the show. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini. And we're jumping on the email stack here. We've got one from Jim down in Florida. says, I have a shower pan that is structurally sound, but we don't like the look of the tile. Can I tile over it by just sanding and applying some type of compound and just glue it right to the existing tile? Well, Jim, without a doubt, you can. And uh, Joe, but there's a couple little things that you, you really need to do right. in order for for it to be a permanent installation. Yeah, you can tile over tile. Like Danny said, you have to prep it properly. And the first thing to do is clean it really well. And you will have to remove the drain because of course the tiles, the new tiles are gonna go under it. Um, but other than that, then um, what we recommend is waterproofing it. And there are uh, there's a product called Red Guard. It's essentially like liquid rubber. You brush it or roll it on, you let it dry and put on a second coat. I would never put one coat, but you only get a chance to do this once. So put two coats, let that dry. And at that point, then you can spread thin set mortar and tile over it. Um, so that, that, so if the question is, can you tile over tile? Yes. And that's, those are the steps I would recommend. And you can go by custombuildingproducts.com and check out all the uh, videos and uh, how to, as well as all the products that you need to, to do it right the first time. Okay, mate, shall we go down to Australia here? <laughs> oh, I'd uh, love to. I, I wish I Have could. Have you uh, been to Australia? Not yet. No, it's no, I, mean, I want to go to New Zealand, and I that, might as well go to Australia. Lo- that long plane ride is a... Uh, That's a long, yeah. yeah my I'm daughter did a... Oh, yeah, my minutes. daughter in high school did a study abroad, and she went to Perth on yeah. the West Coast, and she just loved it. Yeah. I'd oh, love yeah. To go. I've always she heard didn't, good things She didn't invite it. me, but... Yeah. It's like when you go, plan on staying a while because, like yeah. I say, it is a quite a ride down there. But anyway, Glenna says, um, hi, Danny and Joe. Greetings from down under. Quick question. Um, does a wood subfloor have to be in perfect condition before installing a new plastic laminate floor? Thanks, mates. All right. <laughs> well, we, we appreciate that. Um, well, you know, um, you, you need perfect, a, but yeah, you yeah. need a pretty good floor yeah. there because, uh, um, you know, if it's a floating floor is a little more. Um, forgiving because you right. can put a the soundproofing pad and then you just basically float the floor on top. And so, you know, it can kind of hide a few of the defects. But if you're gluing anything down, that's where you really need to make sure that subfloor maybe has a little extra care before you install right. the floor. Yeah, because any the thinner the floor, the more the imperfections are going to telegraph through, right? The plastic laminate floor, it's rigid enough, especially if you buy a really good one that's a thicker one, that it'll float over those. So um, she doesn't say what the issue is. If it, does it have to be perfect? No, but it does. And I would highly recommend a, a floating floor in this case as well because it does float over any imperfections. I mean, if you have a huge hump in it, obviously you're going to have to grind it down. If you have a, a valley somewhere, you have to fill it. But like hairline cracks or a little roughness to it here and there, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I just get a floating floor and go right over it. Joe, here's kind of a unique um, 
Question here from George in Tampa, Florida. said, hi, Danny. I saw a simple solution about using a shop vac to clear a clogged AC condenser line. But oh, yeah. when I went outside, I couldn't find my drain line. Uh, you know, where else should I check? Well, um, hmm. you know, with the air conditioning system, whether it's in your hallway, in your attic, or wherever, does have generally two lines that come out of that evaporative lines. One is your primary line, which should be right um, above the ground level outside your home. Right. Norm- normally it's near your condenser unit, so you can look very carefully along there. Occasionally, this is not a good idea, but occasionally people turn those uh, pipes down into the ground and put like a little bucket of gravel there. That's okay for a year or two, but usually that ends up being problematic. Then your secondary line is the emergency line that usually is in a real prominent spot coming out of your overhang. So if you see any water coming out of there, then it calls for alarm and you need to take care of what's Mm. clogging everything up. But Joe, if they can't find the line outside, first of all, it almost has to be there. And I would start my search around the condenser unit. But I'll tell you what I've done before. I have taken a hose very carefully and put it in the um, inspection line, wherever your air handler is inside, and let water run through there. I mean, it's going to flush out some of the debris that might be in there. You have to do it carefully because if it backs up, then you're going to have some water on your hands. And make sure someone's in the attic at that time. Right, right. I mean, you know, have someone there and someone outside. You can always call each each other on your phone, speaker phone, so that you can communicate back and forth. And then just go around and wait to see where the water comes out. A lot of times that grass or shrubs or, you know, mulch, yeah. anything like that can cover it. If that's the case, you need to take care of that immediately. Yeah. I mean, he he's not saying there's not a condensate line. Of course, there always is. So he sees it coming out of the, the air handler, but where's it going? And I've heard that some of them will terminate either at a floor drain, like if there's a basement or crawl space, or uh-huh. connected that's, to a drain pipe. You definitely need to find that. If you have any um, you know, future trouble with it, it's well worth having that HVAC man right. come out and yep. help you track it down. Hey, when we come back, yeah, it's simple solution time. You don't want to miss it. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Fluid Master. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. All right, it's time for Joe to step up to the microphone and finally give us some information we can use <laughs> with our simple simple solution of the week. What do you have there? Danny's been waiting two hours for me to finally come up with some information. Okay, <laughs> well, stay awake. Here it comes. All right, Danny, most home cooks love using copper-clad cookware because copper conducts and transfers heat really quickly and efficiently. The problem, of course, is that copper tends to stain and tarnish over time. So here's a quick way to clean up a pot to like new condition, and it's completely non-toxic, which is always good. First, what you're going to do is pour some white vinegar into a large skillet. And you want to put in about a half inch or so, three quarters of an inch. Not, you don't have to fill it up. Then sprinkle some coarse salt into the vinegar and turn on the heat. Wait until the vinegar is just about to boil and turn it off. And then you want to take the tarnished pot and fill it about halfway with water. You just have to fill it so that it doesn't float. So just add enough weight by filling it about halfway with water. Then set it into, you turned off the heat at this point, set it into the hot vinegar. Now you wait maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And when you pull that pot out, it'll almost look brand new right then and there. 
And I've done this before. In fact, I shot a simple solution. You can see it at todayshomeowner.com slash simple solutions, where, you know, it was amazing. I pulled it out. I, even I was surprised how clean it came. But there's usually a little bit of tarnish left behind. What you can do is take a scouring pad, dip it into some vinegar. It could be just cold vinegar, not the hot vinegar. Sprinkle some salt on the on the spot. Then just scrub it. And you'll see it'll come right off. Hmm. And this takes, like I said, if you if it let it sit 10 minutes, that'd be a long time. In most cases, you only have to wait a few minutes. Hmm. And, and and it just, the salt and the vinegar just removes that tarnish. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I think about people that, you know, have those special pots and pans. Maybe it was, yep. you know, their parents uh, that they're breaking out or things like that. And after yeah. it sits in the cabinet for, you know, a year, it probably doesn't look as nice as you would want right. it to be when all the family and friends come over. So it's another great, simple solution for my buddy, Joe Truini. Joe, you know, we've been um, doing a lot to eliminate all the things that we've accumulated with today's homeowner TV and radio and so forth. Right. And um, of course, we had a, a a large uh, liquidation sale or moving oh, sale. How'd that you know, go? Uh, went very, very well. Oh, and I'm good. proud to say we uh, donated 20% of all the proceeds to Ronald McDonald House. Which, oh, beautiful. Uh, if you're not familiar with Ronald McDonald House, go um, Google them and just you will yep. be quite touched by all the things that uh, they do. Um, of course, Habitat Restore, you know, can always use. Yep. Um, again, if you haven't been to a Habitat Restore lately, wow. They are big, and there's something in there that you could use at your house and save a mountain of money. And uh, we donated a lot of things uh, to them. And uh, so we've got a couple trailers that made it over there. And also um, a local organization called Driftwood Housing, which is focusing on building tiny homes for um, homeless. And they actually um, have created a subdivision, like an eight-acre subdivision that they're building out in stages, um, you know, where you have to qualify to get in there. You have Sure. really be needy. And you think about a lot of charities and you think about a lot of things during this time of the year, uh, which is good. So I'm yeah. glad we were able to contribute to a number of those. And uh, we still have a, a lot of other things that we're going to be uh, liquidating and uh, trying to turn, um, you know, what's something that we don't need anymore into something right. that others can really, really use. And that's kind of a little bit about the holidays right there. Well, that's a perfect example of it's better to give than receive, mm-hmm. you know, and you often hear that people when they go out of their way to help someone else, how much better they feel. Oh, yeah, know, definitely. Just mm-hmm. helping someone. And and again, this time of year, it seems particularly um, helpful because, you know, a lot of people struggle through the holidays and through cold weather up here. I know they're, every time I go into a business, there's a coat drive. You oh, drop no. off your old coats. You know, yep. I live in Connecticut, oh, yeah, that's so a people good need there. coats this time of year, yeah. 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 Well, that pretty much wraps up today's Homeowner Radio Show for this week. We appreciate you spending some of your busy weekend with us always. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Truini, our producer engineers, Scott Gardner and Brad Rogers, and the whole today's Homeowner family. Hope you have a great weekend, and why don't you come back and be with us again next week. We have four more weeks to be with you, and we're going to make sure that if you come and spend some time with us, you'll be glad you did. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Thanks so much for being with us.